Hi, this is Frederick here. Hey, Frederick, you're up in Las Vegas. Good morning. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for speaking to me today about Halston. Hey, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, for someone like me, Generation X, who does nothing but wear clothing from vans his whole life, uh, I just have to say, <laughs> yes. You made a really entertaining documentary, not only about the fashion industry and about Halston's life, but just something that just would interest anyone in such a fascinating story. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, that's really important for me uh, to, you know, reach beyond fashion. I'm not a fashion person per se myself. So, you know, when people who are not really into fashion respond to the film, that's the biggest compliment for me. And not only that, while watching the movie, I mean, it just kept giving me flashbacks of my, my childhood in the 70s, all those styles. I remember them well. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, born and raised uh, in Las cool. Vegas. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, it's just very 70s here in Vegas, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was... You know, it's funny because Casino... You know, I've always loved that Martin Scorsese film, Casino. I think it takes place in a little bit like in... Uh, 70s and 80s, right? I mean, and um, the world is very Halston. I mean, it's kind of uh, the way Scorsese describes this world that existed before, but it has been taken over by, you know, corporate America um, was really inspiring for me in thinking about Halston and, and, you know, this capsule of time of like excess and glamour and, um, you know, art and uh, and then all of that washed away by um, corporatization of the early 80s. You know, I think that was, it, I saw some parallels there. Oh, definitely. Howard Hughes came in and just totally corp- made it all corporate, and uh, all the mob was out overnight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, well, tell me about, uh, in, in choosing this subject matter, because you said that you were not really a fashion person. Was it his story, or did people tell you about him, or... Now, to make that connection for me about uh, choosing him as your next topic yeah. for your film. Um, well, it came as a, a, the project came through my producer, Roland Ballester, who um, had access to um, Halston's niece, who would work with him and like and and um, lived with him in a very in the sort of crisis period of eighty three eighty four, and um, I, you know, I because I really wanted to do something else in fashion. I, I, and, you know, I've been um, making fashion documentaries for, like, what, 10 years now, more than 10 years, um, 15 years, more like that. So, you know, um, but, and I'm always looking for the, the story that goes beyond fashion and that is, um, speaks to the culture at large, you know. So I was, um, and I didn't know much about Halston, to be honest, because, um, I knew mostly the Studio 54 era. Um, I think, like a lot of people, unfortunately, you know, they have this this very one-dimensional um, um, take on Halston, um, and it's all about the, you know, the Liza Minnelli uh, and Halston at Studio 54. And there's so much more to it, you know. And um, when I started reading some of the research, um, and I just realized that it was it was kind of a corporate thriller. I mean, what, what really grabbed me was the the business story, you know, and I was like, oh my God, this is, 
this is a way for me to talk about some of the trauma of like dealing with uh, corporate interests, you know, in the, in my in my industry, in the film industry, um, and um, in the fashion industry, it's about the same. You know, you always have to, you know, um, negotiate between art and commerce because it's not we're not like painters or we're not like writers where we can sort of do our thing alone, you know, in our studio. Um, you know, there's a, a mass medium, and um, there's I think you can find stories in any industry, you know, whether it be auto, whether it be music, whether it be fashion, where the artist is always screwed over by corporate America. I feel, yeah, the the artist is always vulnerable because it's the artist's name on the product or you know, on the, the piece of work, and um, and the corporation, the, the 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 businessmen know that, and they always try to exploit that vulnerability because you know, you want it, you want to make the best. Uh, thing that represents your vision, and 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 they're not really speaking the same language. They're just looking at numbers uh, very often. Um, so, you know, I've had these experiences, these traumatic experiences, and, and I, I think um, the Holston story allowed me to talk about that. You know, to talk about that um, that that part of um, my practice. You know, and then I think his story was just. You know, I couldn't have written it better. I mean, you know, <laughs> the best screenwriters in Hollywood couldn't have written it better. But it, it was epic. I mean, it was like such great um, story with twists and turns and uh, really like a corporate thriller. And the characters, you know, in the middle of it are kind of amazing. Um, well, Halston was an ex- a businessman. Right, and Halston was an extremely private person. So when you went to go find people to speak about him, was, was there anybody who wouldn't re- talk to you, or were they pretty much willing to talk about his story? Um, I mean, some people, you know, most people we approached actually um, were really wary about talking about Halston because, um, not just because he was private, but also because uh, the the story has been sensationalized before and you know a lot of people have this um, take on Halston that's very um, salacious and the people were kind of a little bit on the fence uh, it helped a lot that we had Leslie Froelich um, um, as um, one of our partners even though she, you know, she didn't really have creative control or anything but she was she was um, um, involved in the beginning gave us her trust and uh, and opened a lot of doors. You know, like once she started talking to us, and a lot of the models started um, responding to us. And then through the models, we got to Liza Minnelli. You know, it's kind of like a domino effect. <laughs> once you prove uh, that you're in, you know, you're in it for the real story, um, and whatever that means. You know, the good and the bad. Um, people understand that you're you're taking it seriously, and you're not going to do a hatch job. Um, so, yeah, it was... A, it was um, and then on the other side of the aisle, you had the businessmen who were just worried that they would be villains, you know? <laughs> and that was their main concern. And it, was, it took a lot of effort to uh, convince them that we were going to take their, their narrative, their version of the story, seriously. Um, because I, I really was. I mean, I really was taking it seriously. I, did, I, I never believed that Halston was 100%, you know, the good guy or the victim. You know, I think it was much more complicated than that. And, um, you know, I hope the film reflects 
some of that. You know, he had like huge problems with uh, drugs and behavior, and he was at a uh, you know a crossroads in his career where um, other people were you know getting a lot more attention, and so it was. It was a complex. It was a complex story, you know. That that was not black and white. It was much more um, sort of shaded in terms of what the truth was. And it, uh, you know, I I was really interested in getting to the bottom of it, and almost like an investigation. You know, that's when sort of the idea of a detective investigating this story came came about because it was um, it was a. Uh, there were uh, there was a lot of mystery at the you know at the core of it. Well, you know, there's uh, you know he was the upper echelon of society dressing them, and then he went what they said class to mass with J C Penney dressing everybody in America. But then I understand they were trying to erase their entire history of him. How was that possible? And how difficult did that make it for you finding footage? Yeah, I mean it's shocking to me that they decided to. Not only erased the video archive, um, but also like divest his dresses, and you know it's like I think I think it came out of two things. One is a complete misunderstanding of like what um, a creative business like fashion is. Um, you know, if you get you know they were the businessman Carl Epstein would tell us things like, well, we had all the patterns and we had some of the fabric, so we could recreate all of these samples. And like um, Carl, I don't think that's how it works. You know, these are museum pieces. It's not like you can recreate like a Picasso just because you have a photograph of it. You know, um, and so there's a misunderstanding of like what of what they actually were dealing with. And also, I think there was a power struggle, you know, like going on. And I think even though they wouldn't really uh, admit it on camera, you know, I think there was a part of it that was about, you know, getting under Halston's skin and kind of like humiliating him, I think. So that was part of it. And then the video archives, you know, like, um, if you're, <laughs> you know, Halston was like one of the pioneers of using video. He was the first to really shoot consistently his fashion shows. And he, um, you know, I, I like to say that he's, it was the first Instagrammer because he really did project his life onto these images that he, you know, um, he would he would very carefully um, construct. And uh, so erasing his, the video library was just so petty. I mean, just to gain like you know a hundred uh, you know a hundred dollars on like blank tapes or something was really a little absurd and. Um, and um, thankfully, Halston had a copy of the, the tapes that's actually said in the film. Most people don't really hear that line because they're just so shocked at what um, they're doing. But um, Halston had a copy, which um, thankfully sort of was passed on to uh, Leslie Floyd, his uh, niece. And so that was kind of the foundation of our research. We got you know, 215 tapes to start with, and then the job was, like, really to go much further. I really, I, I was so firm on that with my producers. I spent month and month sort of pushing them to find stuff that hadn't been found. And um, we found so much, like, 
Paulson giving a tour of his house, you know, that footage had ended up in a Christian college, um, Lipscomb University, and um, 16 millimeter reel, you know, that had never been developed. Um, I mean, it was gems like that, or the China footage, which was incredible and was thought to be lost because uh, NBC had uh, done a documentary but then scrapped it. And they shot, they started shooting a documentary about Halston and then scrapped it back in like 81. And um, after weeks and weeks of sort of pestering um, you know, NBC archive, they finally found a box that had like all these raw tapes. And the raw tapes are incredible. It's basically like five hours of Halston sort of yelling at his staff, you know, <laughs> and being this incredible sort of perfectionist. Um, but it's, it was a godsend for me because in the raw footage, you can see the Halston that he really wants you to see. It's the raw, it's the raw Halston. It's the, before it's edited and constructed into this uh, narrative um, of the superstar designer. You know, he, he, you could see, um, you could see the genius, the perfectionism, and you could see the problems that go with it. So. And, and uh, finally today, uh, I was at Sundance this year, as I, I've been for the last three or four years, and your, your film was very popular. I wasn't able to get in to see it. But tell me as a filmmaker about your experience at Sundance and what it did for your film this year. Oh, my God, it was a dream to be at Sundance. I mean, it was, um, you know, when you make films, you really hope for it to, it's like your baby, and you, really, you know, you're like an obsessive parent. And I'm very much like a, would they call it, like a helicopter parent or something who wants to be the best for the film. And Sundance um, in the U.S. is like really um, incredible. And I, I I have to say I was, it was particularly um, great to be part of King Yutani's uh, first uh, year as a director because she's been a great supporter of my work. She, uh, she programmed Jor and I at Outfest um, you know, when I started, that was my first solo film, and um, we had a, um, a back and forth. I remember when she was, I was like, are you sure Joy and I is gay enough for Outfest? And she was like, yes, absolutely, because of this ABCD. And she was like, I want to program it. Trust me, it's going to be... And, you know, she really pushed it. And same thing with um, Halston. She was so um, she was so amazing. And she, when I got the call, you know, in December that she, she was taking the film, it was just... Um, it was it was really great, and then she introduced it at you know at the screening. So I feel blessed, you know, that she's uh, in my corner, basically. Well, congratulations on the film. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I wish you all the best of luck. And uh, thanks for talking to me today, too. Thank you so much. <laughs> all right, come visit us in Las Vegas. Come visit us in Vegas soon. Yeah, I would love that. I love Vegas. All right, thank you. Have a good day. All right. Bye. Thanks. Bye.